art, comedy, pop culture, and much more. You're listening to ACPN. Russ. Do you have that one with that guy who was in that movie that was out last year? <sighs> Hello and welcome to the Emerald City Video Podcast. This is your host, Russ Burlingame, and welcome to ECV 100. ECV 100 is actually a couple of things. First of all, it is tonight's episode, the 100th episode of the Emerald City Video Podcast, and I'm very excited to have finally gotten here. So excited, in fact, that I came up with this crackpot idea about getting, like, a million co-hosts and doing five minutes with each and Frankensteining an episode together and that kind of delayed the process of us talking about other movies. I've got like three episodes that I need to edit and put on the the web in the next few days. Uh, This is not going to be a million co-host episode. Instead, what I found is that it wasn't worth cutting big chunks of the conversations I was having with the people who helped make the show what it is and who helped make Emerald City what it was back when there was a video store. Uh, so rather than doing five minutes with each person and cutting it down and making it a, a, a giant, like four hour long episode of, of a million co-hosts, uh, ECV 100 is going to be a kind of a sort of episode and it's going to be running on Mondays over the next few weeks. It's not going to run this coming Monday because it's late Friday night and I'm putting this together and I'm going to kick it out and then we're going to have a Shazam episode tomorrow. But uh, but this is going to go on Mondays, and it's going to be basically an hour, hour and change long each week uh, with a handful of people. And it's going to celebrate not just the show and the fact that we've been around for a while and we got 200 episodes, but also the 20th anniversary of the closure of Emerald City Video, the video store, which happened uh, in April of, of uh, or not 20th, sorry, uh, how old am I? Um... Uh, the 10th anniversary of the closure of Emerald City Video, which happened in April of 2009. And so is this This month is the, the 10th anniversary of the store going away. And so part of the idea of us doing ECV 100 was to talk about the role that kind of the culture of video played in our lives, not just Emerald City as a store, but also just kind of growing up as, you know, my kids are not, and even the generation like 10 years behind us really didn't with the video store and with home home video as such a big part of your day-to-day life. Uh, t- this episode today, we're going to be talking with Logan Brettschneider, Zach Roberts, and Carla Lauder. And each of the three has a unique kind of relationship with the store, with me, with video. And I wanted to kind of take those three stories and begin the narrative a little bit. Uh, Carla, in particular, is uh, a great beginning to the narrative because she was my college sweetheart, and she's the one who actually brought me to Emerald City Video for the first time. Her family rented there, and I'd never heard of it. And, uh, like, two weeks later, I was working there. So that was uh, was a good trip. but yeah, uh, the I've been teasing for the last few episodes that post-episode 100, things are going to be a little bit different. Things are going to be a little bit cooler. And uh, a lot of that is going to be behind-the-scenes stuff that doesn't really affect the audience that much. Like, I'm, I'm improving some of the audio stuff. I'm going to try to get our Instagram and our Twitter and our uh, uh, YouTube presence up and running in a way that I haven't bothered to up to now. You know, we record a lot of our episodes on video, and then I just never use the video, so I'm going to try to start doing that. 
and that's all kind of quiet little things that doesn't change the, the listening experience much. The bigger thing is that a lot of those kind of specialized episodes that we do, the five for fives and the spinner rack episodes and the new release wall are going to find new homes. And what I mean by that is while the show is not going to become a daily podcast by any stretch of the imagination, I am going to work out a schedule so that certain kinds of shows will air on certain days. And so if we have a new release wall episode, for instance, you'll know that it's coming on Friday. If we have a spinner rack episode, you know that it's coming on Wednesday. And so before I get into my kind of monologue about what video and Emerald City video meant to me, I want to just break down this new schedule. Mondays, if there is a new episode, it's going to be, for the foreseeable future, ECV 100 episodes. And uh, we're going to do a handful of those. I'm talking to uh, former customers, former employees, friends, and and people who have like interacted with the, the podcast, the show, and who have a story about video, whether or not they went to specifically Emerald City. And uh, we're talking to a lot of folks. It's going to be a lot of fun, and uh, that's going to be kind of a an essay series almost, and then once that's finished, Monday is going to become a 5 for 5 day. So, you know, if we have five movies that we can connect with a certain theme, uh, it's probably often going to be me and Zach, although theoretically it's going to be open to all of the former Emerald City Video employees. That uh, that sort of show will, will land on a Monday. Tuesdays are going to be Countdown to Crisis. I'm going to have alternating co-hosts. And uh, if you listen to this show, you probably know I work for comicbook.com, and I cover the Arrowverse, which is the superhero TV shows on the CW, for like a main part of my job. And Countdown to Crisis is going to be essentially sprinting through the Arrowverse, trying to get caught up by watching a handful of episodes at a time and discussing a handful of episodes at a time ahead of next year's big crossover, which is going to happen in December, and which is called Crisis on Infinite Earths. In the comics... Supergirl and The Flash, who are two characters who actually headline their own shows on the CW, died in crisis. That's that's not going to happen in the TV version. Uh, however, Arrow is ending right around the same time Crisis ends, so that character may die, or if he doesn't die, Crisis is going to radically alter the makeup of those shows and, and you know help us to see the end of Arrow. And so I wanted to kind of take a look at key episodes of the Arrowverse shows, but also key issues from the comics that tie directly into Crisis on Infinite Earths, whether it be the like Crisis on Earth 1 and 2 kind of stories from back in the 60s and 70s, or whether it be uh, things like Infinite Crisis and Final Crisis that were direct follow-ups to Crisis. Uh, those are going to be taking place on Tuesdays for the time being, and then in December, once Crisis on Infinite Earths happens we will slot something else in to be our potential Tuesday shows. Wednesday's the spinner rack. Uh, I know that that's going to feel awful samey for some people because you're going to be talking about comics and comic book TV on Tuesdays and then comics and comic book TV on Wednesdays. But spinner rack episodes are a lot of fun for me. It, they allow me and some of the people who I do kind of my work with and who exist in the comics sphere to talk a little bit more in depth and a little bit more... Uh, abstractly about comics and comic book TV than we get to in our day jobs. You know, at comicbook.com, I do a lot of analysis, but it's very plotty. 
uh, I don't get to talk about the artistry of things very much. And uh, so Spinarak is going to give us an opportunity to do that. And uh, also for me to just say things I can't say at Comic Book. Comic Book is a major website. It's owned by a huge corporation. And we've got a huge audience. And sometimes I can't say things, uh, particularly about books that I don't like, without incurring the wrath of my editors and without incurring the wrath of the person whose job it is to review that book or to cover that book or, you know, whatever. So get to talk a little bit about things that are kind of on our minds that way. That, too, will have kind of a revolving cast of hosts. Probably Logan will come on occasionally. Uh, Troy Brownfield is a friend of mine from when I back, back when I worked at Newsarama ages ago is, is somebody who's interested in doing it. And so we're, we're going to have that. Thursday episodes, for the time being, are going to be dedicated to bringing up the archives of Archie Digest, a Riverdale podcast. Archie Digest is actually the most popular podcast that I've ever taken part in, and we just haven't recorded anything in a while. Uh, Last episode of Emerald City Video was actually a tribute to Luke Perry by the hosts of Emerald City, or of, uh, of Archie Digest, and that was the first time we've recorded anything for season three at all. And it's just it's expensive to host a podcast when you're not actually recording a podcast, and I didn't want to do that anymore. So a couple of months ago, I stopped paying for it, and, and right now you can't find it. What I'm going to do is I am going to set up a separate RSS feed. So even though Archie Digest is part of Emerald City Video and kind of one of our recurring features, people will be able to subscribe separately to Archie Digest. I know that I can do that. I don't know how to do it, but it's something I'll figure out uh, soonish. In the meantime, on Thursdays, if there isn't something else compelling that uh, that is pulling our attention, it's going to be Archie Digest episodes. And Friday is new release wall. Uh, Friday is going to be a new release wall episodes because most of the time I go to see kind of brand new releases on Thursday with Zach and we talk about it in the car and then I get back at two in the morning and I don't have time to release the episode. So Fridays, typically, I can spend a little time trimming and editing those things and then knock it out. Uh, That's going to be kind of our plan. And then when we have the standard kind of classic, quote-unquote, episodes of Emerald City Video, the ones that are two or more of us talking about two movies, usually a new one and an old one, that is the ones that I want to do more of, and those are the ones that I have the hardest time doing because we, we spend so much time having to finagle schedules. But when those do come up, those are going to be weekend episodes because that way I could not ha- it, I'm not eating up a space on the kind of quote-unquote calendar uh, for things that come very infrequently. But... I'm excited about this. It gives the show a little bit of structure. It gives the, the show some variety. And also, it gives me a place to put some of the stuff that I have not been doing or haven't been talking about or, you know, like I said with Archie Digest, have just taken off the internet because I haven't had the opportunity to, um, you know, to host it or to record it or whatever. So, very excited about the future for the show. It's going to bring some new voices in, because obviously there's a lot of people who didn't work for Emerald City Video who I haven't really wanted to bring on the show, because I've been trying to keep the show kind of quote-unquote pure to the concept. And now that I'm expanding what this show is and what Emerald City represents, uh, I'm going to have a lot more opportunity for different and diverse voices. But getting back to ECV100... 
this episode, like I said, we're going to talk to some people who are very close to me, who are good friends of mine for many years now, who have things to say about Emerald City. And for me, Emerald City was this kind of weird point in my life where uh, I was kind of at sea. I was working a bunch of part-time jobs because I didn't have any full-time gig. And then shortly after working at Emerald, it became clear that this was my full-time job. You know, I actually worked at Barnes & Noble for, I think, two weeks in the cafe. And uh, they couldn't figure out a way to schedule around another retail job. And so it became one of those things where the cafe manager gave me an ultimatum to leave the one job or to leave leave Barnes & Noble. And I was like, oh, no, goodbye, Uh, which turned out to be a very good decision. Uh... Emerald City Video is a place where I built a lot of memories, and, and, you know, video in general is something that, that when I was a kid, not even a kid, when I was in college, hell, uh, video stores were kind of a communal experience. This is one of these places where you could go, and you had to physically interact with the product and the people and everything else, and so this was one of those, like, I really miss video stores in the same way that I really miss kind of mainstream record and bookstores. Obviously some record and bookstores still exist just like some video stores still exist because family videos out there with like a thousand locations. But I miss these things being in the mainstream. I miss this being a thing that like I could just, you know, go down to Erie Boulevard and find a video store that's open and wander around for an hour and come away usually with something that I would not have rented if I was, you know, going online and searching by stuff that I knew I liked. But the the Emerald City Video Store in particular was interesting because I worked there for such a long time, I developed a lot of relationships. You know, when I was in my 20s, I worked at a lot of video stores. Uh, Even after I came back from New York City and most video stores had gone out of business, I actually worked briefly for a movie gallery and then a Hollywood video that went out of business, you know, essentially moments after I left those jobs. But uh, uh, on top of all that, it's like, this was my first experience managing people in a retail setting because I had to like write schedules and I had to work around people's needs and people's whatever. Uh, I remember uh, we had a, a meeting where uh, somebody essentially admitted to having – somebody threw something through our, our the windows on our door. And so the store was kind of open to the elements overnight. And when we were checking in the boxes, or the videos from the Dropbox, one of the videos was actually from one of our employees. And we said to him, hey, did you, like, was it like this when you came? What time did you come? And he's like, oh, yeah, it was like this. And and just that baffling thing of, like, really? You're, you're, you're going to admit that? Like, that was one of those moments that I will never, ever forget. <laughs> um, and then, you know, as I've said before, kind of the most important thing is... Uh, I, I met my wife at Emerald City Video. You know, my, my wife's family had rented there for years, and so when I was probably even at the East Syracuse store, what we called Store One, uh, where I only worked for a very, very short time before we closed it and went to the Chimneys location, uh, I, I got to know her family a little bit, and that was obviously a good thing in the long term. Um but yeah, this is this is one of those things that was such an ingrained part of your life that you kind of took for granted. You know, the, the cultural thing of uh, even just the the like make it a blockbuster night thing. Like the before Netflix and chill was a like catchphrase. The blockbuster night thing was something I remember people joking about. Like, yeah, it's a it's a cheesy as hell tagline, but it's also experientially true. It's one of those things where you're like, yes, I know what that means. It means like grabbing some tapes and going home with with people and and you know essentially. Uh, 
doing the Netflix and chill thing, except for that because of due dates and late fees and all this kind of like, it did force you to interact with the films in a different way. It, it, it forced you to actually sit down and watch things. It forced you to not get too distracted unless you really didn't want to finish it. And so, uh, convenience-wise, that might not be the, the greatest thing, but I do think that it, it made people interact with film differently, and it made people actually watch the films that they rented. Uh, and and that, in general, I think was a good thing. You know, And I remember going to the video store, and Emerald City in particular, because it was such a cool, like, you know, it was a college town, and it was an arty store. We had all the props on the walls, and we had the, you know... So we had, like, the great director's wall. And so, you know, foreign filmmakers like, you know, Kinski and, uh, now I'm, of course, blanking, not Fellini, um, anyway, uh, there's a, uh, oh, Bergman. Uh, you had little sections in the store where it's like, oh, I know this person's name through osmosis, but I've never actually seen their stuff, and you could just pick up five of them on VHS for five bucks and be like, okay, well, now I'm going to be educated on film next week. Uh, and, and that was something that was kind of unique to ECV, or kind of at least unique to family-owned, artsy kind of video stores, and that's something that I think really helped me. I mean, hell, it helps me in my job, because I, I, I work in the entertainment industry, I write about movies, I write about TV, and I understand these things a lot better, having worked at Emerald City Video, having interacted with those customers, having watched those films and interacted with the, the medium uh, in a way that I wouldn't if I was just you know going to Captain Marvel and, and Shazam all the time. So, for me, there are specific memories, and, and, and I, I, I'm going to try to be better about kind of bringing those out in the show, because that was one of the things we talked about in the first couple of episodes that we really wanted to do on the podcast. But beyond the specific memories, the biggest thing about Emerald City and the biggest thing about video is just the, the kind of cultural thing that it was at that point in our lives. You know, it, it really was, hey, do you want to go to the video store in the same way that, you know, now it can be, hey, do you want to go for coffee or, hey, do you want to go whatever? It was a place that you could go and spend an hour, talk with your friends, look for something cool, and nobody would give you the side eye. And uh, that's a thing that's missing in kind of public spaces right now in general. And uh, I, I, I miss it a lot, and I especially miss you know, Emerald City and, like, the people that were there, you know, from the customers to the owners to the other people who worked with me. Uh, that, like, five-year period where I was there all the time was just a... Uh, it was a very special time, and, and if that store still existed, it wouldn't be what it was then, of course. You can't recreate that kind of thing. But also the fact that, for me at least, the tail end of that experience was marked by the end of kind of the video industry as we knew it means that this nostalgia and this kind of rose-colored look at it doesn't get sullied by going to the store and being like, oh, this is awkward. It's not how I remembered. Like, it's, it, you know, it's not like going to a high school reunion. There isn't anything to go back to. And so in a lot of ways that, uh, you know, it's, it's baked in perfection. And uh, I think 
think we're going to talk a little bit about that, uh, not just tonight, but going forward on the ECV 100 episodes. I really want to thank the people who have been with us for these 100 episodes. I know there's at least a handful of people who have been here pretty much the whole time. Our audience has been consistently growing, especially over the last 10 episodes or so. And uh, I do think that the best is yet to come, and I think we're going to have a lot of fun with, uh, with some of the things that we're talking about this coming year. Also, one last thought before I turn it over to our next person. It's kind of great. James Gunn got rehired on Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. That means uh, this show is no longer uh, on a Disney hiatus. Uh, We can talk about Captain Marvel, and we will. And we can talk about uh, Avengers Endgame when it comes out. Uh, Disney has just a gigantic, gigantic... uh, slate of movies coming out in the next for the rest of this calendar year it's insane especially now that they own the fox stuff and uh not having done them for a while is one of those things that probably nobody noticed because we still had plenty to talk about but it it was on my radar and uh I'm, I'm, I'm glad, A, that Gunn got his job back, and B, the, the fact that that means I don't have to feel obliged to uh, to be mad at them anymore so I mean, the the mega merger is still a terrible thing for humanity in general, but we'll talk about that another time. In the meantime, uh, I'm going to take a quick break, and when I come back, I'm going to talk to Zach about, uh, well, I mean, a hell of a lot of things. He and I went pretty long, but uh, it's fun. Hi, I'm Angry Man. And I'm Gidget Von LaRue, and we have an 80s movie podcast called the Retro Cinema Podcast. We talk and give trivia, well, just a little bit of trivia, on 80s movies that we both watched back in the 80s. We cover all genres, including comedy, horror, drama, fantasy, musical, animation, action, and even film noir. Yeah, we cover them all. So you can find us at theretrocinema.com, iTunes, Stitcher, and tune in. Clopak, is that Slavic? No! <laughs> give, <laughs> give us, us a, a listen. listen. First up is Zach Roberts. You probably know Zach as the most regular contributor to the show that isn't me. And uh, uh, he's, he's here to essentially kick us off, uh, you know, accepting the fact that I rambled alone a minute ago. <laughs> that sounds so sad. <laughs> <laughs> it's a metaphor for the whole podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Two me- two white men rambling alone to themselves. <laughs> the Emerald City Video Podcast. <laughs> Actually, that probably could describe most podcasts literally yeah. on the internet. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, I saw a thing the other day that was kind of cute. It was like. Uh, it was like a, a murder of crows joke, but it was yes. like a gathering of three or more white men is called a podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh no, that's, that's, it's even worse on my, uh, on, uh the, uh, uh, not the VC news podcast, uh, the, uh, around the web podcast because <laughs> photojournalism is like Uber white and Uber male. Um, and so, and then trying to get people to actually come on photojournalists who don't like talking to actually get up, get them on to actually talk about things it's like the only people who have the, that sort of like just natural belligerent confidence um mm. are usually white men <laughs> so <That's fair. laughs> and it's funny because uh at at the video store we actually had a reporter for a, a photojournalist for the Syracuse uh newspaper yes. who was one of our regulars and and is not a male <laughs> 
she is the only one I know other than uh, Penguino. But yeah, no, no, I, I know tons, but trying to get them to come on uh, a podcast, they're like, no, 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 no. They're they're so <laughs> it's like humble. It's like you get you get like a white man who who wants to. It's like, yeah, no, I'll totally talk about shit. <laughs> like, ah, no problem. Which is why I have four podcasts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I I am consolidating somewhat uh, <laughs> yeah. in the sense that uh, post 100, this show is going to be uh, essentially an omnibus of all the shows that I yeah. was doing yeah. uh, so that I can save money on podcast hosting. Yeah, makes sense. <laughs> but uh, but I, I know the feeling well. Yep. So, uh, yeah, we're here to talk about essentially uh, what, what video meant to you slash kind of your favorite video store memory. Uh, so why don't you tell us a little bit about, I mean, obviously you are just like me of the generation where like we all went to the video store all the time. Yeah. Yeah. We're the multi-format generation too. It's like, yeah, yeah. literally every single format that existed for video. Uh, basically uh, we've, we've dealt with, I mean, you, you actually, I, I didn't, I didn't have a video disc, uh, video disc, was it? Or yeah. Yeah. The, yeah, R- the RCA called, video disc. Yeah. Player. Yeah. The, the massive, like larger than record platters <laughs> that you had it to, uh, um, which were super high quality for the time, but not really practical <laughs> for yeah. anyone. Um, but uh, like we, you know, it's just kind of the same thing. And so we're, we're both from that, uh, that middle generation between Gen X and, um, uh, the millennials or whatever mm-hmm. that we basically, you know, went from there not being basically anything. I mean, realistically in 19, like, uh, well, you're uh, 80 or 79. I always forget. Uh, March 80. I, oh, 80. Uh, yeah. So like we, we went from basically being nothing. I mean, I guess VHS obviously or uh, beta max and that sort of thing that existed, but, not too many people had them like because they were the size half the size of tables and yeah and like required <laughs> like yeah they were not exactly that amazing um but uh we went from that to now you know my both of our probably predominant i would assume of our video collection is um is digital now um yeah um I, I might still have more DVDs, I think, than than I do. Just, but that's mainly because I'm hooked up to your Vudu account, and I don't need to. I don't need to buy a lot of digital stuff usually. So. Yeah, I think. But, that- also, but also Netflix and Amazon, that sort of thing, is just kind of you know, like I, I found that I've stopped buying or renting as much stuff because, well, I have an Amazon account, I have a, uh, I have a Netflix account, and now I'm having the the. I just I signed up for the Criterion thing, yes. whatever that's going to be end up being. Um, as well, and probably will eventually break down. I think, uh, I forget who's, uh, there's some show coming on Hulu that I may have to yeah. end up breaking down and getting a, a subscription for a while. So, yeah. but yeah. <laughs> uh, so I just got, so I just much. got a thing that Hulu is dropping their base, like advertisements everywhere rate to five ninety nine yeah. from seven ninety nine. So yeah. Yeah. I saw yeah, that. That's vaguely tempting. Um, Except, remember how it was all supposed to be cheaper? Yeah. <laughs> like, remember, remember that? Remember how, like, cutting the cord was supposed to be cheaper and, like, how, you know, like, I still remember, I think I'd probably spend more, I de- oh, actually, no, I mean, not probably, i definitely spend more a month now on, on video mm-hmm. products, whether that be rent, Redbox rentals or whether it be um, 
just the subscriptions for everything yeah. than I did buying films back when Wegmans and and Chimneys and, and all the places would have, you know, their pre you know, previously rented yeah. um, discs because I'm like, I never paid more than $5 for a DVD. <laughs> yeah. So it was always like, I just have these random films that I'm like, ah, yeah, let's watch this. And it's $5. So and, yeah, it's $4 and, to rent or $5 to own. Exactly. I'd be like, well, screw it. I'm just going to buy it then. And then we're like, yeah, wow. I, I own this disc. I know I've seen the film, but it, it literally has dust on, inside the, <laughs> yeah. like, like that sort of thing. I'm like, I don't know why I own this. And I can never, I, there was no point in time at which I could sell it for more than a dollar. Maybe yeah. and it was like, I'd rather just keep it. And that's, that's probably like 60% of my video collection. Yeah. And then a bunch of criterion films and then like five films that I actually like watching, yeah. <laughs> which now I have all on digital. So I, I never actually, you know, it's easier to just pop that on. So, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I have to at some point break down and, and repurchase dogmas collector's edition DVD. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think that right now the only one I have is the, like the, basic stripped down no bells and whistles dvd but with jay and silent bob reboot coming out it's like oh that's a thing where i gotta i i, I need the special features on those because they're yeah. so good it's too bad it's too bad that he that they're that they're in a couple dip that obviously with the uh miramax madness mm-hmm. um that a couple of the films are you know like they're kind of all over the place so they yeah. can't have a proper at least he, i i don't think he had i don't think that there hasn't been one like no. a proper disc set yeah um, no there was a there was a box set from miramax once upon a time that was uh, i think it was clerks chasing amy and uh um uh, it wasn't dogma because whatever it was is still is still available uh yeah. clerks chasing amy and uh probably jay and silent bob strike back yeah uh, but yeah, there's never been a real box set. There was a period of time where Kevin Smith had like an aluminum <laughs> box, like box set box with yeah. art that he would yeah. basically just sell uh, a case that you could put your DVDs into. Yeah. Uh, but first of all, that hasn't, he hasn't had one in a really long time. And second of all, I think it was like just the trilogy back, back when it was like Jay Silent Bob and Chasing Amy. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, I'd love to have one. I'd love to have, because that, uh, the, for some reason, there, there's certain films, um, and this I think actually goes to the topic. Um, there's certain films that I actually like watching, um, on disc, even yeah. though it, it makes so little difference. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, as long as you have a decent internet connection and everything like that at this point, like, um, uh, it, it makes so little difference, but for some reason, I'm just like, no, there's, for some reason, I don't think I've ever watched a Clerks film or a Clerks film, a Kevin Smith film on digital. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I've always had a disc or watched it, watched them on a disc, which is, I think I have most of his films. I think I, I have to break down and buy, um, oh my God, the sausage one. I'm blanking. Uh, yoga hosers? Yes, uh, yoga hosers. Yeah, I have to, I have to buy yoga hosers. Uh, I rented it, um, a while back and, uh, absolutely loved it. Um, uh, and, uh, <laughs> it's one of the ones that Kevin actually responded to me when I said, I absolutely love this film. And he's like, thank you. Because, yeah, that was one film that nobody really loved. I don't yeah, know. there were like three people who probably yeah. treated that at him. Uh, <laughs> and, and one was his daughter and the other one was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Jen, I'm sorry. Like, if you accept the premise of the film, it's a fa- it's a great and super fun film. Yeah. Like, that's 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 I'm sticking by that. So <laughs> I own it. I still have never watched it. Really? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, we should we should review that film sometime. Yeah, that's one that we keep um, talking about. Yeah, yeah. Try to get Kevin to come on or something like that yeah. and talk about it. <laughs> but but yeah, no. Um, uh, I don't know where we're we going with that. <laughs> Uh, well, we we're kind of segueing into uh, video and, and your oh, yeah. like, uh, but because uh, we were talking originally about special features and you were saying that there are certain things yeah. you just need the disc for. Well, not, I mean, not even that. It's just like, it's, you know, for me, it's a four, it's like a format thing. Um, I feel like eight and a half. Mm-hmm. I have to watch that on disc. Um, I don't know why. Um, other than it, the, like if I'm watching, I don't know, um, fucking some, you know, uh, I'm trying to think of some, if I'm watching pay, I don't know, payback's not even, I can't even get that on digital, but if I, I don't know, if I'm watching, uh, if I'm watching mall rats, I mean, well, that's a bad example because I was just talking about that, but if I'm watching, um, you know, Patriot games or something like that, yeah. I don't, I don't really care if there's a little pixelation or something like that. Like if it, mm-hmm. you know, takes a moment or lose something or whatever, but it really bothers me when I'm watching a, like a really important film, yeah. <laughs> you know? And that's one of the reasons, like, I think honestly, like why I haven't, I've started watching Roma on Netflix a couple times and it's gorgeous. I love yeah. it. And it, grabs my attention, everything like that. But one of the, one of the things that I think, and I think this goes to it even more. So it's like, it's one more separation at which you have from the way that I, I think that movies should be seen, which is in the theaters mm-hmm. um, or at least in some way, shape and form um, without almost not necessarily without the ability to stop, pause them or stop them. Um, but just in some sort, I, I think that like, if you can't like we, uh, I, I, and, and I don't know. And, and I wonder if this is a, if it's, it, if it really is a theatrical thing, because like, obviously certain films, I don't really care if I see in theater or, on, yeah. or on a good, t- you know, especially if you have a good TV or something like that. Um, but it's the fact that it's like, for me, and I think think us because obviously this is basically how we're how we're friends. <laughs> is the fact that uh, is the fact that um, um, movie going and movie viewing, like going to the movies, going to the theater, and, mm-hmm. and watching movie is has always been the one thing that I do with friends. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the one thing, like even friends of mine, like my friend my friend Carrie, who. I can't remember the last. She just doesn't go to movies unless they're waiting. Yeah. And she now lives in she lives in South Carolina. Like I I, I drive. I just got back. <laughs> it was just like it's a sixteen hours, a fifteen hour drive, and like we were actually just having a conversation. She's like, well, you know, she just had a baby, so I mean, like, yeah. And and obviously, you know, it's different with us. You know, we're both in the world where we have work justifications to see. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, like, at least there's that. But, um, you know, it's like I have a bunch of friends who just don't really go to the movies that often unless it's with me or if it's, you know, or if it's in a group or whatever. And I, and it's, and I do wonder because I don't watch as much. I don't watch as much, even though, even though there's, you know, you have massive accessibility to kind of the, world's library of films more so than even like at chimneys or at um that had crazy collections of you know criterion and and foreign films and things like that like i don't watch um 
I don't watch as much uh, cinema anymore um, as I used to. And, and I, th- I don't know. I, I think that has I, a lot to do with the fact that like, not, not even the fact that like, we, we just in general don't, Yeah, <laughs> we don't do, so, you know, for the podcast here, we don't do it as much. And also, but, but it just, it's weird to me that I don't do it because we have so much, um, I have uh, so much ability to watch it. And I have a TV like right here with net, you know, with everything connected. Um, but I think that has a lot to do with the fact that, um, it's very difficult to get, those films now, unless you buy them, which, you know, that's a big buy. There's, that's a big buy-in to see those films, um, on, uh, without, uh, you know, without having to do with, uh, without on, on disc. And, mm-hmm. and I think that that's the way that only way that I can like actually kind of make myself and not in a bad way, but it's just like, it's, you know, I have a stressful job <laughs> a lot of times it's whatever. It's like, usually if I'm watching entertainment, if I'm watching television or whatever, it's not, it's not, it's for fun. It's to, to close my mind off or whatever, open or whatever. And it's not to, it's not for work. It's not for art's sake and things like that. And so it's, it's interesting that actually the, having this massive accessibility has actually changed my viewing habits not, I know I wouldn't say in a negative way because I'm not gonna, you know, say that. But in a in a in a in a way that I wouldn't think it would have ever done that. I thought I thought for sure that I would have watched less of the crap when I had more access to everything mm-hmm. than than I do now. Because I mean, like I remember when Netflix was disc, uh, when di- or at least when I had the disc. I don't know when they changed completely. You know, when they had yeah. it, the uh, streaming available, but um, when they changed to uh streaming mainly but but when they had disc originally i i was like a three disc at a time person and i basically only rented like the crazy films that i was never never formally would never be able to get right i went through i went through a ton of films i mean obviously there was always like two discs sitting at home for like two months that i probably paid (laughs) 30 dollars. i could have bought them for cheaper but um but it is it is interesting that at least for me, and I think again, I think that has that going back to like the fact that we at least I come from that generation, you know, it's like you you do, but like that, I think that's one of the biggest things that I connect. Um, going, I connect uh, like good film, you know, like what we review as good film, um, yeah. art film or whatever, um, to either in a theater or to the gears that i mean specifically for me just because i you know when when like when you were working at emerald or when you were working emerald and and when i was there was like i i was bouncing all around um but for me it was the big thing was chimneys uh Mm -hmm. video store which is uh this local video store basically precursor to emerald city video um because eventually the literal precursor because literally they took over their space when they a space and a bunch of their and a big portion of their collection they bought Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that was, that was also a, uh, you know, a local, basically one of the best video stores in the country. It was, it was rated once. And, 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 uh, I had, you know, I, I remember going through one of the, one of the mass market books of how, you know, all the film listings with like mm-hmm. thumbs up, or I think it was just stars. I think it was, um, Leonard Moulton. 
I think it was Malton's guide, yeah. Um, the the at least the mass market one, and just going through and highlighting all of them is like I went through and like a goal was to see basically as many. And it's like I was, I know I was over. I, I think I hit like at least twenty five percent of the book at a certain point, mm-hmm. and that was a hundred percent thanks to having that, um, having that rental place, and then just being right. able to go through that. I if I wanted to rewatch something, I had to re rent it. So yeah, I had to pay for yeah. it again. And so that was like, that was the like, oh my God, do I want to, do I want to pay? And it was always like, it, they, this is, you know, that place that originated at least as five for five, yeah. five for five, five movies for five days for five bucks, which is even, which is ridiculously cheap now, which is, it's even insane to think that like even renting digitally, it should be cheaper anyway. But yeah, yeah I, think <laughs> I think we've covered that before. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's the fact that, you know, I was able to, especially like, uh, I was, you know, obviously closer friends with CS, uh, in high school. And like, we would just go through rent five movies and on a Wednesday, watch them by the weekend and then rent another five movie. And we just worked our goddamn way through that fucking. That, that place in in like two in two summers really, but like in just every weekend it was like okay, so what five movies were we watching? And I would have we would have a bunch of people yeah. and and watch five. You know, we would watch two or three movies some nights, just five of us, like or four of us or whatever, three of us, like together and watch it, which is in, like completely insane because I yeah. don't know, I don't know if I could get you know, obviously families and everything like that, but yeah. Like, it's 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 kind of crazy to think of actually getting like people together to like I don't know of anyone um, that younger generations that sit down and watch I'm sure there's movie geeks and things like that that would do like a movie like that like oh we're gonna watch four we're gonna watch two we're gonna watch five hours of cinema yeah that aren't, that aren't necessarily connected to each other so it's not like sitting down and watching Lord of the Rings or some shit right like just be like oh we're gonna watch Pulp Fiction and then we're gonna watch man bites dog and then we watch it's like what (laughs) and just like literally like one disc goes out one disc goes in and it's just like and i think about every time i've tried to sit down in the last six years with anyone yeah all and be like what are we gonna watch and then you open up netflix and then it's 30 minutes (laughs) i'm like going well i i I mean i just talk about the podcast. I mean, the reason yeah. that the podcast has ended up basically being you and me is because it's such a slog to like get people yeah. together yeah. to just watch slash talk about film. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's, it's crazy thinking. Like, I remember those, I remember sitting in the basement of your parents' house mm-hmm. and like watching a bunch of movies and admiring your beta collection. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, beta. Collection. <laughs> it's such a good beta collection. Um, but, uh, my aunt gave most of it away for some reason. Er, um, <laughs> yeah, no, no, just like had the original, like original star Wars and yeah, yeah. Uh, like that. I didn't, you know, that I'm sure are worth a stupid amount of money for what they are, especially, but like, you know, I had the original Batman and, yeah. Beta and things like that. Um, but yeah, I mean like that's, you know, like being able to do that is, is, is just not something not, not only like age wise and things like that. Um, but like, I just don't, I think thanks to the technology, like, like I have, fr- I have other friends that I've like literally been like, okay, so what we're doing this weekend, like hang out with, pa- like hung out with Paige before. And it's like, the plan was for the weekend, we are going to watch, um, we're going to watch, um, the entire, or <clears throat> what was it? It was, uh, oh God, excuse me. Um, 
we're gonna watch um uh um point break and we're gonna watch uh um and we're gonna watch um uh oh my god uh bad boys 2 um and like watch these and watch those films and like just as a as a we and nothing it never happens it never it's like we'll watch one part of one film and then whatever something will come up and then we'll go Mm -hmm. out and, you know, go to the bar or something like, that. <laughs> like yeah. and, and, uh, and I, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to know whether or not, whether that's, that's a digital thing. And it's the fact that it's like, well, you have to return this movie. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and that's, and I think that's, that's especially even, even if you rent movies now on, um, now on voodoo or whatever, it's like you get two or three days or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why, like the, the, perm- the, the, you, and you're not getting late fees and things like that. I mean, yeah. I think I, more and more, that's the funny thing is that the more and more I thought about it, am I thinking I've been started defending late fees? <laughs> <laughs> like, and I'm like, Oh my God, is this a sign of me being old? <laughs> like I was just like, I, I had some epic late fees uh, at chimneys that uh, I don't think I ever had them at Emerald. Um, but uh, I don't know why. Um, or, and at blockbuster uh, definitely did. Um, but it's, uh, um, it, it's the fact that it, it t- certainly like it made you watch the film you rented. At least mm-hmm. you had like a better idea, especially, um, you know, I mean, I've rented now films on, on, on voodoo and let them expire. And I never even looked at them. And it's like, that was f- f- fucking dollars for some of the new ones. And I was just like, ah, rent this. It'll force me to watch it. And I just never have. And, and it's just one of those, it's one of those weird things that like I've been realizing now that, Thanks to the fact that I've just been thinking about because of the, the Criterion uh, collection or the Criterion movie channel or whatever that's coming out. Um, was it next month? April, I think it is. Um, like when, whether or not I'll actually, because it's, I think $10. I think seven ninety nine. I could be wrong. Okay. Yeah. No, I know. I, well, I think that's a, that's if you buy it in all one year. Ah. We're doing the ninety dollars, so I think I think it's like ten dollars or something like that. Like I, I just I'm not ready to commit a hundred bucks to yeah, yeah. to a streaming service in any way, shape, or form. Especially considering the last streaming service didn't that was literally the same thing. It's just a new reboot of it. Is uh, didn't last. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm I'm really curious to see how Criterion does it differently than Warner Brothers because part of the thing is with Warner Brothers they were restricted to their own studio and they got around that a little bit by uh, bringing in the Criterion Collection. Yeah. yeah. And nobody cared about it until it died. And then when it died, there was this outrage. And so now the Criterion Collection are doing their own yeah. streaming service. And I'm like, are they even going to have Warner Brothers? Or is it going to be just exclusively Criterion and we're literally paying the same price for less stuff i'm i'm pretty sure it's a it's a wider it's a wide collection of okay. things like independent and newer i think newer stuff too um if my understanding because it is weird that we haven't gotten like a crazy amount of information about it i mean yeah maybe i'm wrong but like i've read a couple of pieces about it and i haven't seen anything I, other than this is like you know filmstruck it's done again um and, honestly i think that we probably haven't heard a lot of it because they don't like they don't have a ton of information available yet they probably haven't signed a bunch of contracts yet because yeah. this wasn't a planned thing this wasn't yeah. like you know filmstruck closed down and criterion was always going to reboot it this was a thing that like happened because of like user outcry yeah and criterion just kind of swooped in and said well we can fix this and i i don't know that they actually had much in the way of a plan outside of we're gonna do this yeah 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 no and and so and and my 
and I'm I'm actually very curious on whether or not they'll um if they don't get the numbers or something like that, whether it's still gonna happen or it's gonna happen in a different way. But um it'll be interesting. I mean I hope I hope for God's sakes that that'll happen because um there's a ton of cinema that's not out there. Um and that's the thing that, you know, I mean, especially there's a lot of stuff, there's a lot of cinema that didn't make it past that first a either a didn't make it to DVD at all. There's still yeah. a ton that's there or B didn't made it to that, that age of, especially for older artier films um, where it was just like, this is like the VHS transferred to DVD. Yeah. Like that sort of quality. And like, I still own some of those films for, you know, things like cabinet of Dr. Caligari and stuff like that. Like they're just like not restored. Um, it cost and cost me like $30 to get the film, but, yeah. um, I didn't want to spend all that time in the fucking library when I was in film school. Remember back when it cost $50 to get a racer head on DVD because the yeah, only way you could get it was from David Lynch because he refused to <laughs> let anybody do it if they weren't going to restore it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Ah, uh, David Lynch. But, um, but yeah, no, it's, and it's, and it's, uh, it's, it's, it's wild. It's wild to think about it because like it, as, as we go forward with that and then, I mean, like they're just more and more streaming services come out and they offer the same schlock. Um, yeah. It's like, Oh great. Yeah. I was just reading, I was just seeing there's another streaming service that offers that's like, Oh, we've got all of these programs. And you look at it and it's like, Oh, it's the same 1980s, nineties crap. Oh, yeah. nostal- it's basically another nostalgia app. And you're like, okay, cool. Like those are around, like you can either buy the discs for those for super mm-hmm. at Walmart or whatever, or you can m- watch most of them on YouTube. You can do yeah. whatever. It's like, there's a thousand ways. And we're like, yet homicide life on the streets is still <laughs> a $90 fucking box set. <laughs> and honestly, I don't think they're, I don't, as far as I can tell, I don't think they're printing any more of them. Um, and so like, and somehow that's not on any streaming service and it's not on television anymore. I actually was super excited because I heard the, I was watching law and order, um, like the way I watch law and order, which is basically it's on while I'm doing other things. Mm-hmm. And then I heard the homicide, the Baltimore police station, police, uh, <laughs> departments, the, the ringer, yeah. um, the phone, the phone ring, which is a, fa- it was a famous thing. Um, if you've ever seen homicide life on the streets, you, you would know it. Um, and like, I heard that and I was like, Whoa! <laughs> and then it was like, it was law and order, not SVU and munch and the whole, and not Andre Brower wasn't there, but it was mm-hmm. like, it was a crossover episode of law and order. And I'm like, Oh, <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> the offices. Oh my God. Um, and it's on TV, but yeah, no. Um, Oh God. Yeah, no, but yeah, no, that, I guess that's my, that's my kind of remembrances of, of video stores. Other than when I actually worked at Emerald City briefly, I think I yeah. probably, had, I probably had a total of like, I worked a total of like 60 hours there. I think I don't yeah. know. Yeah, sounds about right. <laughs> probably, probably, probably more than that. Um, but, um, there was, there was a handful of people who I remember like <laughs> when, when they would tell me like, we need more people, hire somebody. And it's mm-hmm. like, I do interviews and I'd hire somebody and then the the low profitos would come in and just hire somebody else. Yeah. And then yeah, they would yeah. they would give whoever I hired like four hours a week or yeah. something. And I'm like, what what was the point of that? <laughs> I mean I think I probably I definitely hung out there more than I worked. Yeah. Um because I would just be like, oh you're work I'd come in and just like, yeah, 
hang out, pick you up from a shift or whatever. Cause I think yeah. I just remember you continually having car problems when you were, Oh there. God, I know. <laughs> so it was just like, it's easier for me to just pick you up. That's <laughs> when I had the shit stang. Uh, yeah. Probably one of those. Yeah. Yeah. $500 yeah. 88 Mustang that I hit a deer with like three days after buying it. <laughs> As opposed to the, uh, the mercury, uh, which you rolled the wrong way. Yeah. <laughs> That's like back to front, not yeah, yeah. side. <laughs> um, he somersaulted it, but um, exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I, and I and I was assigned the porn section, um, which was weird because my first day actually working there was cleaning the porn section, and I just remember, like leaving that day with like wanting to just take a shower. <laughs> Yeah, for like five hours in super hot water because my hands were it was probably because of the bleach and it was super if you worked in a video store you'd yeah. know the dryness of a video store for some reason yeah and well and, dry, and the, so. the, the, the adult room I don't know if this is always true because I'm not really a big porn guy but <laughs> uh, but the adult room at Emerald City had like a distinctive smell that was different from the yeah. rest of the store yeah. and I don't really want to think about why that is. Um, and I, I mean, I, I think it was mainly because it was, I'm trying to remember if it was connected, but I think it had to do with just a, um, it was a, <laughs> it was a damper part of the store. Um, and so it was just kind I, of. Like, I also kind of think that part of it is honestly, uh, like all jokes aside, adult films have incredibly cheap like yeah. they were, they were made with incredibly oh, yeah. cheap plastic and, and because I mean, you're, you're shooting 75 of them a month and you're, you're distributing thousands well, of these things. And, you well, know, I remember, so many, yeah, go ahead. I, well, I remember we used to, we used to go, there was a place on route 57 where we could buy like our EAS, like our, our anti-theft cases and yeah. all that kind of stuff in bulk. And I just remember being there. We never bought our adult films from them because we had our own distributor, but I remember being there and they just had pallets of adult movies. Yeah. And it was just like, yeah, this is how you like, you could literally stock a store just by walking into this place and being like, give me that pallet right there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I, but the, the other, the other thing too, is that, and I don't remember um, like, I don't know how many people actually would remember this, but um, they had different um, clamshell cases. Uh, yes. No joke there intended. <laughs> um, but no, but they had, uh, it was like, it, they continued on using the same like VHS clamshell cases that were like super early, like yeah. in the uh, late eighties, early nineties, there was a certain kind that had, a, like you, like you said, like a cheap plastic over it and whatever mm-hmm. you slide the thing. Like they, I don't know how to, I don't know, really know what to describe else, but uh, it's, well, it's, it's like they, the, the only thing besides the porn industry that continued yeah. with that was kids movies. Yes. Because yeah. again, they were produced yeah. cheaply in bulk. And so yeah, like if you have like the old Disney yeah, movies, yeah, the old yeah, yeah. before time movies, you know, the white plastic that like kind of crumples when you, when you squeeze it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, they, they, yeah, they, they were, they were massive into that and like kind of mm-hmm. a weird, cheaper version often uh, that were sometimes like hard to open and not again, not because they were sticky or anything, but yeah. whatever. I, I never, the, in my cleanings of the porn section, I never came across anything, thankfully. No, I mean, we always, we had security tape, we had security yeah, cameras yeah. in the porn section. And part of it was because we knew that, like, it's a high shrink area because people are embarrassed to rent them. So they'd rather try to shoplift. So they're stupid. They were stupid expensive back then. Oh, um, yeah. I mean, even in a time when video sales were start, were be, were a big thing, um, 
they were stupid expensive. It would be like seventy. It would still be like seventy dollars or something yeah, like that yeah. to buy a, a, a porn tape. Which yeah, they never. Uh, and and I think it's because there wasn't enough of an audience that was willing to make a stink. Uh, because again, people didn't want to be identified as like porn consumers. Yeah, yeah. But I think uh, they never quite made that. Like you remember when Top Gun came out, and it was the first movie that went for like nineteen ninety nine or whatever it yeah. was retail, and it totally changed the way that mainstream films were distributed yeah. in the home video market. Yeah. Like they never seemed to, at least in my experience, maybe it was after, but they never seemed to have like that yeah. in the adult section. It was like, no, they just continued to be like 50 bucks yeah. forever. You know, and it, and it's, and it's funny because like, I'm trying to remember what I think it was the, um, it was the bookstore conversation that I was, ha- I was something on Twitter uh, about Barnes and Noble, um, you know, again, like a dozen articles came out because mm-hmm. I think Barnes and Noble must have posted earnings or something like that that were yeah. below whatever. Um, they, they weren't increasing at the 5%. Like <laughs> they were probably just staying the same. And so it means that Barnes and Noble is dying. I mean, I can't remember how many obituaries has been written about that. Yeah, that exactly. Fucking chain. Um, but, um, but it is, but I think that the porn industry because they blamed it so much on streaming, which I'm not saying they're wrong on that um, because it's so much easier for theft on streaming, uh, yeah. not even theft, but just, you know, like anyway, but like the porn hub and, and sites like, yeah, that. Exactly. I mean, that's, you know, even, even in advertising or whatever, like just the way that the industry works and things like that in video distribution. Yeah. Well, and, and porn has been because of the function that it serves, like it's not really meant to be entertainment per se. Yeah. And so it's, it's always been much more susceptible to like the established uh, like Titans being upset by new upstarts because they could produce a relatively comparable product at a much lower price. Yeah. And I think that the internet essentially codified that it was like all of a sudden you have hundreds of thousands of amateur videos. And if 1% of those is of high enough quality that people are like, well, I don't have to go to the video store and get the porn. Yeah. And, and yeah. I mean, especially considering it's not like something like, well, um, I, okay. We're releasing nine minutes of, uh, of, of, uh, Fellini's eight and a half. Yeah. Um, and, and, people would be very, you know, be like, okay, well, I'm still going to buy the, buy the rest of the film. They were nine minutes of a porn film. That's usually all that most people need. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But, but it is, it it is interesting though, that because it does make me think it it is one of those industries where it's like the rest of the people wanted to own things, you know, and and whether or not, you know, whether or not people wanted to own porn films, you know, porno, pornos at things like that. I don't know, but it's the fact that they never did that. They never, I don't, at least I don't know of that. I mean, I wasn't looking for, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, like uh, I had the internet. Um, well, I, mean, I, I think it's telling that uh, when Erica Ladd came on the show a while back, one of the things that she said was that uh, one of her most kind of v- vibrant memories at the video store was this older couple that used to rent the same like fetish porn. Yeah just over and over and over again. And like, they didn't buy it. They rented the same thing over and over and over again. Yeah. And so, and, and like, it's not like we never had sales in the, like we, we constantly used to have like, because you know, so many come out all at once. It was like, we would constantly 
have sales where it was like anything that is not on the new release wall, you could get like three for 50 bucks or something. Yeah. And we had a, you, there was a used section as well. Yeah. Uh, previously rented yeah. uh, we're still i mean i think most of them were over 15 bucks at least yeah oh yeah um, i i feel like the baseline for a like a, a standard dvd yeah was probably 10 bucks and the baseline for an adult dvd was probably 20 in terms of the the previously viewed and yeah. then obviously like you would have things that were more than 10 or less than 10 slash 20 for the adult side depending on how many copies we had and blah 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 yeah. But yeah, I, it was always more expensive. I mean, even the rentals were more expensive for porn. Like we had the, uh, you know, our, our videos for most of the time that I was there were like three twenty nine and rent one, get one free, I think for the main area. Yeah. And then in the adult room, it was four bucks or three for 10. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, it, it was a whole, like, it had its whole own economy. And again, like, the fact that they were not super user-friendly is probably part of why it was so easy to replace them with the internet. Yeah. Uh, it's telling, probably, that that most of the video stores that continued to exist post, you know, 2005 didn't really prioritize the yeah. adult room. Yeah, no. You know, uh, 40% of our revenue at one point came from the adult room. That was a number that I remember hearing. And so it, it's any store that was relying on porn for 40% of their revenue was probably super susceptible to bad things happening to them after, yeah. you know, Pornhub became a place that not only existed, but the people had heard of. Yeah. <laughs> and that was, well, I mean, that, I think the fact that it was a, it was a safe place to go that you yeah. wasn't to destroy your computer. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that is, you know, a thing. Uh, but but we really got to sidetracked on that. <laughs> but, but it is. But I mean, it, it's the it is one of the biggest. I mean, they, they're not when when people talk about you know porn basically grabbing something. What was it? Was it? Uh, uh, did did porn do start with? Did porn um, the the industry grab Blu-ray or did they grab uh, HD discs? I'm trying to remember because oh. I think. Wasn't it? Didn't they go for uh, HD and probably? I don't. I don't. Honestly, I don't think that we ever carried any significant number of like HD, like next gen porn films. I mean, they might have in the last couple of years after I moved to New York, and I like I wasn't there when the store closed. But I feel like we never actually like we as a store never bought into the adult high def stuff because it, you know, it was just another thing that would have made it harder to break even on the, on the adult films because you, you would need like, because they were expensive, even at the wholesale level. Yeah. You, you like, we needed to rent an adult film like three to five times as often or not three times as often, but three to five times as much as we would need to rent a regular film in order to break even on the disc before we could sell the previewed. Yeah. It's it's because uh, the I mean the story is always whether how 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 completely truthful it is is always questionable. But like the fact that once once porn starts doing um, start using a disc, it was like it was one of the fi- deciding factors of uh, whether beta or VHS was going which direction yeah. it was going. Um, even though I'm still still saddened by the fact that beta didn't win because it was a better goddamn fucking format. <laughs> still holding that. I'm still holding that fucking. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> that grudge and a big hump of hate right on my back from the yeah, fact. What was the uh, there was this one of the books because I've read a bunch of books lately on the industry, 
and one of the books, uh, I think it's called Video Revolutions. No, that not that's not the one. Anyway, there was one of the handful of books on the video industry. Yeah, spent a lot of the early pages on the the v, the format wars, like the VHS DVD format war or the VHS Veda format wars. Yeah, uh, and and it's it's funny because post the collapse of Beta, uh, we settled into a comfortable zone where we had VHS and then we had DVD and we, we essentially supplemented the VHS with DVD. We didn't really replace it fully for a while, but even then everybody was comfortable with DVD in the entire industry. The, the assumption was, well, eventually we're all going to go there. Yeah. Uh, and that was never a thing like in, in the VHS DVD days or the VHS beta days, that was never a thing. Like there was never general agreement until it was done of where the industry was going next. And I find it really interesting that for years there was kind of uniform agreement across the industry as to where to go next. And then when the DVD or when the HD DVD Blu-ray format wars happened, it was a, uh, to me, I feel like it was a contributor to, to killing the home video industry. Yeah. Uh, because they had lost, like they had lost focus. Not everybody was on the same page anymore. And on top of that, you did have a bunch of consumers who at that point were just on the brink of being able to do everything digitally. And then when they bought, bought big into HD DVD and it collapsed almost immediately. Yeah, no. I'm, I'm sorry. I'll be right there. Okay. Uh, that, that, that killed it. Mm-hmm. Uh, any any final thoughts? I need to go talk Daniel in. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, no, um, no. I think that's that's basically it. I mean, uh, we can we can talk later about uh, favorite film and stuff like that. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, no. Um, yeah, it's 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 a sad day. <laughs> yeah, <I don't> <laughs> Now you can rent all new releases or anything else for five days. Really? Yeah, so you can just enjoy it at your own pace. At other video stores, you only get one day on new releases. So you can't enjoy it because you're too worried about getting it back on time. And then you got to fly out the door in order to get to the video store before it closes. And the clock is ticking, the phone is ringing, the late fees are piling up so high. He's really into special effects. Only Hollywood Video has Star Wars The Phantom Menace for five days, so you can watch it again and again. Welcome to Hollywood. Hollywood Video. Next up, we have Logan Brechneider. Logan is a, a friend of mine from high school who uh, worked with me at the video store and then continued there after I left and then left and I came back. So, uh, Logan, take it away. Hi, I am Logan Brechneider. I've worked on and off at Emerald City Video for a number of years. Too many to remember, I guess. And I've always been enamored with the video industry in been a long-time renter, uh, so I'm happy to be back and reminisce about uh, my experiences in the video store. Yeah, we uh, pretty much everybody so far has been talking about chimneys because that's like that was the entry point for so many of us. Uh, the location, you mean? Well, uh, or the chim- or the chimneys, store, itself. the actual store. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I, I mean, it, it was the in some ways, the elephant in the room, if you want to call it that. I mean, chimneys 
I think for this area, it's unique to us, but mm-hmm. was and still is the premier video store of the 80s and mm-hmm. probably the early 90s. I mean, no offense to Emerald City Video, but I don't know. It just, it always felt that way. I mean, yeah. the owner of Chimneys was the head of the, um, what's it called? The VSA? The VSDA. The VSDA before the owner of Emerald City. He, the Chimneys was one of the top five video stores in the country, not just our area, but the country in terms of selection, customer mm-hmm. service, etc. And because of that, it was what everybody went to. I mean, I can't tell you how many times my Friday and Saturdays were spent in that store. I mean, literally hours just trying mm-hmm. to pick out a movie. And it, it drove my mom nuts because my dad was all for it. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, my mom was not, is not or was not a big movie person. My dad is. So it was not, you know, fun for her. <laughs> But it was just an amazing store. And again, no offense against Emerald City Video, but I always, especially being in the Chimney's location, it always felt as an imitation. It just always felt as an imitation. I I don't know what your experiences were with it, but for me, it always felt as an imitation. Not to say I didn't love working there. I absolutely loved working there, and I would not trade it for the world. I've always said and will always say, that is and was my dream job. It was. Like, I don't think I will ever have a better working experience, mm-hmm. which is hilarious to me because that was retail. Yeah. Retail is generally not high on people's best favorite uh, job list. Yeah. That one was. And a lot of it was because I was in something I loved to do. I was working with almost Almost the entire staff was my friends. Right. Some of them I had hired. Some of them I didn't. I mean, you more or less, if not got me the job, at least told me about the job. Yeah, I don't think I had the pull to get you the job at that point because I it, I hadn't been there for more than like three to six months. But definitely I was the one who was like, hey, we're hiring again. Talk to Rita instead of Jay. <laughs> which it, which I don't think I did. I think I talked to Jay, and he just and I think to this day he still just he still likes me, and oh, yeah. I have a good relationship with him. I mean, I and I don't mind him. I have like a better relationship with him now than I did when I was at the store because uh, <laughs> when I was in the store, he used to constantly remind me that like, you know, you were really you didn't give me enough attention when you came in. You went straight to straight to Rita, and if it was up to me, I would never have hired you. <laughs> he probably told me that two hundred times. <laughs> well, I mean that. That was the kind of guy he was, though. <laughs> uh, I mean, he, yeah, he absolutely. Um, I know I got the manager position because the the woman who was in that position before me had a life event, mm-hmm. just couldn't fulfill the responsibilities that they wanted her to do, which was basically work mornings. That right. To be a manager at Emerald City, all you had to do was work mornings. That's it. And my availability was any... And yeah. she just couldn't, didn't want to, couldn't, I, I don't really know what, and it doesn't really matter. Right. But there were, uh, I ended up taking a bunch of her shifts and they were just like, do you want to be the manager? I was like, yes. <laughs> like there's, why would I not? Yes. Yeah. Uh, and it, it just, you know, the rest is more or less history. 
Uh, I, I mean, again, I, for whatever reason, Chimney le- Chimney's left. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Emerald City took its place. I love Emerald City. Would never change my experience in the world. Um, Chimney's was just my first introduction to, to the rental world. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure it's nostalgia. I'm 100% sure it's n- nostalgia. But because of that, it's it'll always hold a special place in my heart. But so will Emerald City Video because it, was, it wasn't my first job. But mm-hmm. it was the first job I really remember like, hey, this is a job that it, it, that is not just a job. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was it was I think the first job that I ever had that I was like, you know, if if money and the fact that this industry is collapsing weren't an uh, weren't an object, I could just st- I could stay here indefinitely. Yes. Well, aside from the money. <laughs> yeah. I which which is a direct result of the video industry as we knew it collapsing. Yeah. Yeah. And that's I mean that's why the only stores that still exist are the family videos, which are like, they were always franchised, I think. And they have a whole different economic model. They own the property they're on, so they're not paying rent and all that kind of stuff. Which, honestly, if that was something that Emerald City Video did not have to deal with, I think mm-hmm. they'd still be in business. Oh, yeah. I mean, the when we were at the Chimneys location, we were making, I think, 600% the money that we ended up making at the Erie Boulevard location. Oh yeah. And the only reason we left chimneys was because of constant conflicts with the landlord. And it it really like, I mean, I don't know because the industry in, in general has, has pretty much been hollowed out, hollowed out at this point. Yeah. However, uh, you know, with a a relatively normal rate of attrition, I, I feel like the store would probably be struggling now, but could still exist in the same vein that places like Black Dog in Vancouver and in Vid- Vidiots used to, and and the uh, Videodrome in Atlanta. Uh, but yeah, the that the model of the industry, like prepaying for all your product and almost everybody renting, and not only renting but renting giant footprint stores, it, w- it was kind of a recipe for disaster. Right. Well, and that's. I mean, they were using an old business model. That was that was not sustainable anymore, mm-hmm. and I mean the rest is I mean that it happened. Yeah, it, it is no longer in existence. Most video stores aren't, and in general, the rental rental industries are dead. They're mm-hmm. a niche market that is really just a bygone era at this point. Uh, so the the kind of other big thing I've been asking everybody is do you have a like a particular memory or a particular event <sighs> that really kind of shapes your recollection of either video stores in general or of Emerald City in particular? Video stores in general, I see, I, and I, you, you had asked this uh, previously and it's something that I've been struggling with honestly because at least for the Emerald City video part, I mean the video mm-hmm. industry, I have very particular like memories of the video industry and like my experiences renting mm-hmm. that aren't necessarily tied to Emerald City Video. I mean, I, I already spoke a little spoke a little bit about it, but just it was a weekend ritual for my family to go to the local video store, spend 
hours, not an hour, hours, perusing the shelves and looking for a movie to rent. And at least for me, at the age I was, which was at about, you know, between 8 and 15, mm-hmm. it wasn't necessarily look, looking for a movie to rent. It was looking at all the different covers and, like, what is this movie? Because just like with YouTube thumbnails now and advertisement, the boxes had to be appealing. Otherwise, you mm-hmm. wouldn't even pick it up. And I remember, I could, I honestly couldn't tell you how many boxes I picked up that were like, ooh, this looks cool. And I've come to found, find out in my adult years that, yeah, that movie was like a Roger Corman schlocky ripoff oh, yeah. of Conan the Barbarian. Or like, yeah, this movie was just terrible. But to an eight-year-old kid, it looked amazing. Like, there were countless things about that. And the reason for Emerald City Video, I, I'm just struggling to find like a, like a pinpoint memory, mm-hmm. is... <clears throat> It's not the best moment in my life. It's Mm -hmm. by far not. But it was a very specific time period in my life that I had some of the most fun times I've ever had. Mm -hmm. I was in my 20s. I was working with my friends. I was working in a job that I truly loved. So I glossed over all the bad stuff. And there were bad stuff. I mean, yeah. there's a there's always bad stuff in, in a job. But all the bad stuff, didn't I didn't care because I was hanging out with my friends and I was working in a job that I loved. I got to watch free movies. And right after work, it was <laughs> almost always, oh, we're going to hang out with all the people I am working with or just got off shift with. Mm-hmm. We're going to probably pick up some alcohol and hang out and either watch movies or just hang out and for a little bit we didn't going home was that because a couple of us lived together yeah and then it was oh okay we're always going to go to this one guy's house because he lives kind of central to everybody else and we lived within walking distance of each other Mm -hmm. so it was one of those things where it's just like that whole experience was Amazing. And mm-hmm. that's honestly what I remember. That's not what I remember most. Right. But that's that's always the feeling I get of feeling when I think of Emerald City Video is just honestly overwhelming fun and just kind of nostalgic of like, man, I want to go back to that. Which yeah. is silly because like I was I wasn't broke, but it, Certainly was not making a lot of money. Right. I was working probably six days a week because I almost always would pick up an extra shift because somebody either did a no-call, no-show, couldn't do their shift, or for whatever reason. I was almost always working six six hours or six days a week and usually would end up going in on my days off just to hang out because that's where my friends were. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, there were, it's like, I'm thinking back on it. I'm like, hmm, that was probably not the wisest thing, but it was, <laughs> it was a lot of fun. And that was, and that's the point. Like it really was just a lot of fun. I will say too, just to tag on to all that, because it's something that I, I didn't think about when I was making my kind of opening statement, but it, I worked a lot of retail jobs over the years. I was one of those people who seemed to change jobs a lot. And uh, I don't remember ever 
like not only me, but basically anybody I know working a retail job that was like Emerald City in the sense that our customers were just great. Like the vast majority of the people who shopped at our store made the place better. Yes. I, yeah, I mean, and I, I really do have, and to tag on to that, I have countless stories of great customer interactions. And, and yes, I do have stories of like arguing with customers and things like that. But as a whole, it, you're right. It, it really was just a fun experience from top to bottom, not just my coworkers, but also my, my customers. Um, and this is apt, but it was like working. If anybody's ever seen the movies, Empire Records mm-hmm. and Clerks. It's a it was a great mix of those two movies together in reality. With it's, uh, with significantly less uh, shoplifting. Yes, but. although that did happen. Yeah, but yeah. but we generally didn't have like people no. that we knew we had to chase out of the store. No, no. Although I do feel that that to speak to your comment about our customers. And it may be because of the area we were in and the culture of renting videos. Mm-hmm. But I feel that you tend to be a little bit more affluent when you rent videos, at least in the era that we worked Emerald yeah. City Video. So our customers were more tolerant of things and or either didn't know what they were looking for so they would like actually engage with us or mm-hmm. like the whole movie culture is, well, what do you think of this movie? Oh, I'd like this, but I didn't like this about this movie. It like, yeah. it opens itself up to discussions, which, you know, some customers would love, but other cu- customers wouldn't mm-hmm. being and being in a college town, you would get students or people working on projects that are like, okay, I need a movie for this specific thing. Do yeah. you have it? It's like, well, yes. And I, not only that, but I also have these other movies that aren't a 100% like what you're looking for. But if you want to get a little bit more like nitty gritty about it, like you could spin it this way if you wanted to. Um, So the uh, overwhelmingly like a beyond a positive experience and just like that time period in my life and Emerald city video is a big part of it. And Mm -hmm. that's like, I can't divorce Emerald city video from that time period in my life. I don't want to either because it was such a big part of it. Um, and not just you and the people you've had on the show, but other people who we worked with that I, I've, I've either formed relationships with or at the time they were good people and I had fun yeah. working with them. Um, it was just, it was a good time. Overall, a good time. <laughs> Imagine the perfect video store. It would have a great selection, right? Right. Over 10,000 videos. Three evening rentals, so no rush, no hassle. Fast checkout. 24-hour quick drop return. Open late every night. Well, the perfect video store... Welcome to Blockbuster Video. ...is popping up all over the country. There's one near you. Blockbuster Video. All right, and next up, uh, this is kind of actually a weird story in the sense that 
I am the champion of Emerald City as like a brand or a thing that exists, uh, even though it doesn't at this point. Uh, this is Carla, and Carla is the person who walked me into Emerald City for the first time uh, when we were uh, dating about a million years ago. So, uh, Carla, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hey, I'm uh, Carla Jean Lauder. I grew up in Syracuse, New York, um, which is how I know Emerald City. I'm currently uh, living in Maine and uh, really wishing that winter was over. But uh, <laughs> doing, uh, but uh, I uh, do uh, for my day job. I do uh, education and outreach work as a contractor at NASA, and I also have a beer blog where I write about craft beer. So I'm kind of all over the place. But uh, I haven't been back to Syracuse in a while. I miss it. I, I, can, I owe it a visit. It's always funny because uh, I feel like for a while, even when you moved out to New England, you were here all the time because your folks were here all the mm-hmm. time. And then, yep. of course, uh, it, it literally goes from every three months to zero when oh, yeah. the family vanishes. Because I've had that exact same thing happen to me in numerous places. Yep. I have I have zero family there anymore. Uh, so, you know, the last time I actually came to town for something uh, not family related, I actually mm-hmm. stayed with friends' parents. Because uh, <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, you know, I was in college and I was like, eh, I don't really want to show up for a hotel in my own hometown. Yeah. That's weird, right? So. <laughs> Especially because like two thirds of them in Syracuse are kind of sketchy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The hotels, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, you're uh, you're a couple of years younger than we are. Or we being most of the people who regularly host, uh, you know, because there was there's like Ava who actually worked at Chimneys and me and Logan and all that. So. Is your kind of experience with with like the video culture different than what we would have experienced? Because for us, it was always a thing where it was like that was a destination almost. Like I, we all, a lot of us have talked about how walking around the video store was more fun almost than like the actual movie that you ended up with half the time. Mm, yeah, we would definitely kind of we would all go together, um, especially when I was younger as a family. Like we would all go, you know, kind of disperse down our favorite aisles and then kind of come back and suggest things to one another. So it was kind of an, an activity. Uh, in and of itself, um, I will say that uh, probably one of the reasons that uh, we started to go to video stores was actually my mom was getting annoyed that my dad was trying to tape TV, uh, tape movies off of the TV. You know what I mean? And like <laughs> yeah. at just the right time when the commercials were there and whatnot. And she was like, "Yeah, this is silly. We should just we should just start renting movies and not have to you know go through these hiccup." you know, you know, bootleg copies of these things that we had. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I got to see a lot of movies like fully through not missing that five minute part that, you know, we had yeah. gone, come back from the kitchen, you know, so it was kind of a fun thing to get to see the full movie and deposit if you wanted to go, <laughs> you know, into the kitchen instead of trying to catch it uh, to come back. It's always funny too, because uh, there's, there's like two different essentially ways that people used to tape off the TV, which is to either try to avoid the ads or just say, screw it. It's not worth the trouble. Yeah. And I feel like now in hindsight, uh, anybody who actually like back then, nobody wanted to watch. Like if your friends were the people who just said, screw it, it's not worth the trouble. You don't want to watch that. Right. Nowadays it's the opposite. It's like, you've got these 25 year old TV commercials from your home. Oh yeah. I found some random tapes in the basement the other day that Mm -hmm. had uh, like parts of the St. Patrick's day parade and Syracuse and like the Raymore and, Flanagan ads in the middle of it and stuff is really great. It's wonderful nostalgia. Totally random things on the tape, nice. um, but I'm but I'm thinking about just ripping off the um, 
just the ads to share them mm-hmm. with people because they, they do, they are nostalgic now. Oh yeah. Like, well, there's actually, there's a, a group on Facebook called Syracuse yeah. Nostalgia that's pretty popular. And they, I am they, a member they, of that. Yeah. 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 I, I like them because they sell the Switzes t-shirts. Yes, I know. I thought I was the only person in the world that remembered Switzes until they, yeah. until they popped up. So I was very happy about that. I actually, uh, my buddy Jonathan actually has a commission that he hired some comic book artist to do of Oscar. <gasps> no way. Yeah. That's yeah. so cool. So that was, that's one of those things where I, I was walking through his house one day. I was like, wait, is that? Yeah. <laughs> that is awesome. That, yeah. Talk about a destination. That was a thing that we used to beg our parents to go to. And we'd only go mm-hmm. once, you know, sometime yeah. before Halloween and, you know, stand there, you know, just kind of take it all in. I don't even know if we ever bought anything while we were there. We always just walked around. It was very cool. Yeah. It was one of those weird places where, and and I feel like uh, video stores often fit into this where it's like you go to see all the weird shit Mm -hmm. and then you always end up just taking home like the same GI Joe that you would have bought if you went to Ames. Yep. Yep. Exactly. And uh, just going back to the video stores for a minute, I was trying to remember kind of, you know, when you asked me, uh, you know, about what you guys were doing, Mm -hmm. I was trying to remember like, you know, which video stores we used to go to and why we were going to Chimneys and Emerald City, you know, like mm-hmm. those guys. And I remembered it was actually because my dad, we, there was a Blockbuster video that was close to uh, like where my dentist was. So it was very, very close by our house. And my dad started getting ar- in arguments with them about late fees and fees of all kinds. And that's not fair. And there was just all this. He was indignant about it all the time. So he was just very mad. So as soon as there was an alternative to that, that he found that he loved, he never, you know, set foot yeah. in a blockbuster ever again. So it was something that like, I, I never, I'm sure it had something to do with the late fees or something like that, mm-hmm. but it was just one of those things that it t- just instantaneously drove him away, but we never heard the end of it. So anytime that we were in even the other ones, it's like, see, I like these guys. They don't do that. Blah, 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 yeah. And everybody else does. But even then, you know, it was a little bit of like being a kid in a candy store because there's so much cool things to see and posters and movies that I didn't even know were coming out, you know, and it was a, you know, just a little journey down the aisles. It's fun. And by the time we finally, when they opened the Emerald city uh, at chimneys, they had like all the movie props and all that crazy. Oh, crap yeah, that was neat. Yeah. Yep. Uh, it's funny uh, earlier in this, what will be earlier in this episode or, or maybe later, depending on how I cut this, but Zach and I in a previous conversation, were talking about how actually he views it retrospectively he views like this is a positive thing because nowadays you can rent something for relatively cheap on amazon but there's really nothing pushing you to actually watch the fucking thing right like you'll get a half an there's hour no in and you'll walk away yeah. yeah and and so he's like you know I, I never really thought of late fees as a good thing like for the consumer as much as for the store but mm-hmm. uh it is one of those interesting things where it's like, that's the big thing that everybody remembers. And especially when it comes to like Blockbuster and Hollywood and the corporate chains who had very little wiggle room. That's the thing that everybody complains yeah. about. But it's so funny to me because like uh, kind of unprompted, that was the thing that Zach was like, you know, re- it, really, when I think about it, that probably made me actually finish movies. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, it's the same thing as like returning books to the library, too. If they yeah. let you there and there was no consequence, they would sit on your bedside table and you would never actually get through them. But knowing that, you know, you had to be done with it in two weeks, mm-hmm. you know, and turn it back in was a huge impetus to finish it up. So it's, it's the same idea. And I and I totally, you know, we used to stack them up on the coffee mm-hmm. table, you know, whatever three we rented or whatever. Yeah. And then when all three were done, we would we would bring them back. But they were always kind of in in mind. Yeah, you know, as we were waiting, you know, to to sit sit all of us down and watch them, so it was fun. It's funny because I think I only like 
I only worked at store one for a very, very short period of time. Yeah. Uh, but that was way out of the way um, for you. Was there anything, I guess chimneys had gone out of business by then. So there really wasn't anything between you guys and Emerald city back then. Right. Uh, no, but it was close to where my grandmother lived. So I mm. think that's how my dad found it in the first place um, is it was kind of in between her house and ours. So mm-hmm. he's something that he would stop by on the way there or the way to, and then we would just kind of do, you know, as part of the whole, mm-hmm. you know, weekend uh, outing to see our grandmother. It's always, it's funny because I, I was telling Zach, uh, you and I went in and I wasn't like looking for a job, but I applied like <laughs> the day that you yeah. showed me the store. And it yep. was, it was mostly because they had, they, you know, we ended up talking to Rita and, uh, forever afterwards, her son, who was the like day-to-day manager until Logan and I started doing it, uh, would constantly tell us that because I went straight to Rita, when I came back for my interview a couple of days later, he would never have hired me if she hadn't made him. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that, uh, I, I, I had clearly disrespected him and I'm just oh, like the chain oh. of command. Oh no. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How are you to know? <laughs> But it was just one of those funny things. And it's like, I, I remember being there with you and I, I can't remember how we ended up talking to Rita other than the fact that it's a video store. So everybody it's ends just up hanging around, I think. Yeah. Know. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah. And it's funny because I think you and I went to the video, like to Emerald city, maybe twice. It's funny. Cause like yeah, retrospectively, you know, tw- 10 years later, whatever it is, 15 years later, I'm like, Oh yeah. The, the reason I knew that store existed was because the girl I was seeing took me out there. And I'm like, I think that like, 10 minutes after that you went off to college and then we yeah. split and it was just like, yeah, I think we were actually there together twice. So it's really funny. Yeah, it that, was, like it yeah, has such a big impact on my life because it's like, yeah, that was not common. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't something that we had done, you know, weekend after weekend or anything. And yeah. I was, and I was actually racking my brain before we get on this. And I'm like, I can bear, I can't really remember many times going to you with you to this. No. I was like, I, oh I, yeah, no, we didn't. <laughs> that's, yeah. That's really, it's funny yeah. because afterwards like uh i remember you and jack and mm-hmm. shira and people would come in uh just oh, yeah to the the store in chimneys plaza when i was working there like long after yeah and um, that one's right around the corner for me so that yeah was easy. yeah actually i uh, i don't know if i've ever told you this story but uh, it, it's embarrassing enough that i'll share it uh, there was a, a person a regular customer at our store who looked almost identical to you oh really and uh <laughs> The first time I saw her, I thought it was you. Oh, shit. And so I, like, I walked up to say hello, and uh, thankfully I didn't, like, touch her or anything because we weren't seeing each other or anything. But I said something along the lines of, hey, beautiful, and she just stopped and stared at me like, what's going on? <laughs> and I was like, you're not the person I thought. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad you didn't go in uh you know, put your arms around her or anything, you'd be in trouble yeah, in yeah. case. <laughs> well, I mean, the, the funniest thing about it, I can't remember, I can't remember for the life of me who, yeah. but uh, uh, she ended up dating one of our employees for oh, no. a chunk wow. of time afterwards. And so eventually, like, I explained to her, like, it's not that I'm a weird, creepy guy. It's that, like, you look very much like my ex-girlfriend who I'm still friends with. Yeah. And and she, she like, got it. But it was yeah. it's <laughs> one of those things. It's, like, one of those moments where you're just like, yeah, that was embarrassing. And it, it stays in your brain forever because you're like, that poor person. She had no idea. No idea. <laughs> yep. No idea. Yeah. Uh, it's funny. All right. Any final thoughts from you? 
Um, no, just that I, I think what was kind of neat about um, both Chimneys and Emerald City was that they had a little bit of character to them that that some of the other places didn't. Syracuse is really low on places to just be able to hang out for a couple of minutes. Yeah. I used to complain about this all the time when I was in high school, is that, you know, all of the music shows, if you wanted to go watch music, it was all 18 plus, so you couldn't yeah. hang out there. If, you know, you went to the mall and hung out around too long, the security guards would follow you around. Like, there was no place to just be, like, for even 20 minutes to a half an hour to just yeah. hang out chat with friends so half the time when i was walking through those video store aisles i was walking through talking about the day's gossip or whatever we were doing you know kind of like thumbing through the videos as i went but we were talking back and forth about who's dating whom and you're just having that like teenage time to decompress and looking back on it i'm trying to think of like we used to go like rock and bowling because it was the only other place where we could be young but not be doing anything you know like harmful or delinquent we were just kind of we just wanted to hang out and talk and um I still think that that's something that, you know, cities need to figure out is that, you know, teens don't necessarily want to be causing trouble all the time. They just need some place to like go, you know, and, and video stores really did, especially for my friend group, for our friend group, kind of filled that niche. We would do it in between stuff like, oh, hey, let's pop in there, you know, and then we'd, you know, hang out for a half an hour, just chatting away. Maybe we'd rent something, maybe we wouldn't, but it was another one of those third spaces where we could be not home, you know, and not work and not, you know, somewhere else. So. That's kind of kind of where that was for us. And and the the one thing I would add to that because we talked about this a little bit with somebody else was uh, it's a rare retail space where generally speaking the relationships that you had with the the employees there wasn't transactional or antagonistic, right? Because the nature of the store was very much like a library. It's like you're actually yeah. having conversations with people that last more than fifteen seconds, right? Absolutely. And it's and you're not given the stink eye while you're doing it. You know, it's mm-hmm. just it's great. Yeah. All right, thank you. Where can people find you on the internet? Because you do. Yeah, I'm on Twitter at Beer Babe. Um, if you like a lot of tweets about beer, uh, other than that, um, I'm doing uh, I'm doing just kind of education outreach work. Uh, so I'm you know my stuff is everywhere, but my name isn't always attached to it. So mm-hmm. uh, just to keep supporting NASA and their education budget, and I'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> Huge thanks to everybody who participated in the 100th episode of Emerald City Video. Tonight's episode was a lot of fun to put together, and I'm looking forward to reminiscing more with fans, friends, and customers in the weeks to come. You can follow the show at Emerald C- er, at ECV underscore podcast on Twitter, and f- find us on Facebook under Emerald City Video. We'll be back tomorrow with a new release wall episode, and uh, another one in just a matter of days. So thanks very much for listening. Be back here in... 24 hours. I guess you rented a one-day rental. I don't know. The, the metaphor falls apart, but always remember to rewind your cassettes.